Would you enjoy being offered immediate seating in a crowded restaurant? How about an upgrade to business class on your next flight? Or getting front row seats and a backstage pass at a sold out concert? Of course you would. Who wouldn't? But what do you think about preferential treatment at a church, Christian school, or missionary society? Would you take a perk there? Would you offer a perk? To find out God's perspective on preferential treatment, listen to today's episode of Crosstalk, a Christian podcast whose goal is for us to encourage each other to not only increase our knowledge of the Bible, but to take the next step beyond information into transformation. Our goal is to bring the Bible to life into all our lives. I'm Brian French. Today, Dr. Kent Edwards, Vicki Hitzkiss, and Nathan Norman continue their discussion through the book of James by looking at James chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. If you have a Bible handy, turn to James chapter 2, verses 1 to 11 as we join their discussion. Nathan, Vicki, I don't know if you know this, but I've been short-sighted my entire life. It's been a pain, <laughs> but I, I know I'm not the only one that has struggled with uh, poor vision. In fact, I was reading recently, some experts were saying there's a condition many may have heard of. It's called colorblindness. What I didn't know was colorblindness occurs when certain cells are missing from those people's retina. And those cells are necessary in order for people to distinguish between the colors red, green, and blue. I mean, that would be a challenge. But in even the most severe cases, when even more cells are missing, people can only see the world in shades of gray. Hmm. Man, my short-sightedness can be addressed, but colorblindness, it can't be fixed. Can you guys imagine what it'd be like not to be able to distinguish between colors as you went through life if everything was gray? I sort of can. There was a video that was on LinkedIn or Facebook, and there was a man who was, I don't know, he was a father, 40s, I guess, late 30s, 40s. And he, he, he got a present from his wife, and his whole family was there. And he was colorblind. And he opened up the box and she said, put those on. And they were glasses that enabled him to see color for the first time ever. Seriously. And his, wow. his life went from black and white TV to pew, wow, the wonderful wow. world of color. <laughs> and he looked around with this unbelievable wonder. And Ah, and he started to cry, and you could not watch that video without crying yourself because he was so touched and so moved, and you realize what a gift it is to see color. That's something else. Yeah, he'd never know what he missed. That's amazing. I think color is one of God's great gifts to us, but... I, I was thinking the other day that there might be a possible benefit, at least spiritually, when it comes to colorblindness, when it comes to looking at people. I mean, uh, when we go through the day, we see people's external differences. I mean, we notice them differently. We see they have different skin color, different ethnicity, different gender, different education, different profession, all those things we saw. But imagine 
if they were invisible to us. Imagine if we saw everyone the same. Imagine if when we looked at people, we didn't discriminate. Certainly God doesn't. He made everyone in his own image. And, and despite our obvious differences, all people are equally loved and valued by him. He's, in a sense, God is colorblind. And I find it interesting in James chapter 2 that uh, he advocates a kind of uh, spiritual, if you will, colorblindness. Well, not just spiritual. The color he's concerned about, he's the color he doesn't want us to see, is the color gold. Now look with me just for a second at uh, James chapter uh, 2. To understand this, we need to see it in its context. And James began this book of that he wrote to these Jewish Christian refugees. He began in chapter one by helping the Jewish Christians reframe their perspective on life. Then you'll know if you've been with us in past podcasts that he urged everyone to take sin seriously. But now, starting in chapter two, he turns his attention to church leaders and their preference for a specific color, the color gold, the color of money, the wealthy, the rich. Look at what he says in James chapter 2, verse 1. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. That word favoritism is a very significant word. It means to make unjust distinctions between people. It means to treat one person better than another. And notice the context in which James uses this word favoritism. He says, well, starting verse two, suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? <laughs> Note that when the two people walk into the church, a decision is made, presumably by the leaders of the church, to determine who is going to sit where. And of course, in Eastern cultures, it's often determined by their significance, by how important they are. And in this case, the leadership decided to give the one wearing the gold rings the best seat in the house, while the other is insulted with the invitation to sit at their feet. <laughs> in case you missed that, um, they, um, they wore sandals in those days, and um, it was hot. And so if you were asked to sit at someone's feet, you smelled their feet the entire yeah. service. Mm. This is an insult. This, <laughs> it's a clear reference that their lack of resources, these poor people, made them less valuable in the eyes of the leaders of that church. Wow. Man. Oh, why do you think this issue arose? I mean, why would the leaders of this refugee church give preferential treatment to gold ring people? Any ideas? I do. I think if we were honest, it's it's hard for all of us. I remember hearing one of the most precious, precious men I know talk and him saying, I hate the way I act around a rich man. 
I thought, isn't that true? Isn't that true? I hate the way I act around a rich man. Wow. I sat next to a preacher once on a plane, and he he was full of himself. And he was telling me how he attracted the wealthy people so that all the people would come. But I could tell by the way he was telling me the stories and dropping names He didn't care about everybody else. He only cared about the wealthy people. Hmm. Wow. Hmm. The rest were just numbers. Yep. Does that happen today? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, My goodness. Uh, I know our church, we are kind of lower middle class, blue collar, hardworking church. And as I've shared on this podcast before, we help out a lot in the community. And and I, I remember I was talking and sharing all the things that we're doing with a denominational leader uh, not connected directly to our church and, and said, yeah, it, it's been a challenge getting some of the, the folks that we help out and uh, to, to get integrated into the church. And that's been a challenge. And he very flat out told me that we will never get them integrated. It's absolutely impossible that we actually should start a mission and a separate church for the poor people that we're helping. Wow. Uh, he was advocating that we keep them separated because uh, really? people from different economical backgrounds uh, can't find unity. Oh, that's scary. Yeah, yeah. Com- coming from uh, not a uh, sociologist, but from a fellow believer in Christ, a leader among leaders. Yeah, that's well. That's that's what James is talking about here, and uh, James is telling us <laughs> in very clear terms: just don't do it. Um, And he gives a number of reasons for that. He says, first of all, in verses four through the beginning of verse six, that, um, well, it's it's just plain insulting. He says, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has God not chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith? and to inherit the kingdom he has promised to those who love him. But you, you have dishonored the poor. He's saying when when we show preferential treatment for the rich, and it happens, we do that. When we make a distinction between rich and poor, we tell the poor that their small bank accounts make them less valuable to God. And they are not. He says, that is insulting. How dare you take what God has deemed valuable and say it is not valuable. Hmm. There's something wrong with how you're determining worth, and it's not dependent on the the width of their wallet. In fact, it's interesting. In Luke 21, we hear the story of two people giving their offerings. We see a rich person coming and putting their gifts into the temple treasure and a poor widow coming who only could put in two very small copper coins. And Jesus said that that woman gave more than the rich person because she gave a greater percentage of her net worth. She gave sacrificially. And where your treasure is, Jesus points out, your heart will be also. The heart of that woman was closer to God than that rich person. But it's possible if we fall into the trap that James is talking about, that we'll get it all backwards. We'll value the rich person more than the, more than the poor. He says, oh, 
don't do that. It's insulting. It's insulting to the poor. It's insulting to the Lord. But also, it's counterproductive. Look at what he says in verse, the latter part of uh, verse 6 and following. You have dishonored the poor. Is it not, and you listen to his argument here, is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? No, he says, it's not only insulting, but it's counterproductive. Think about it. These are refugees. They have absolutely nothing except maybe a wagon filled with some some of the goods they had but but they need almost everything and they have very few resources at their at their uh, for them to, to draw on they're desperate for the necessities of life and it would not have been uncommon as it is not uncommon now for unscrupulous landlords or business people to expand their profit margins by squeezing the last coin from the pocket of these destitute Christians. And to make it matters worse, since these Christians were refugees and not citizens, the rich could use the courts to enforce their exploitive contracts. Yeah. So James said, why would you honor these people who in many cases are taking advantage of you? Why would you honor these same people in your Sunday meetings? No, it's insulting to do so. It's counterproductive. And not only that, just in case you uh, missed the point, he says in verse 8 through 11, it is sinful. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Now, the greatest commandment is that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and will, and our neighbor as ourselves, And that applies to all neighbors, regardless of their net worth. And when we choose not to love some people, that is sinful. Jesus reiterates that. A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, it's sinful. And that's why he warns us in verse 13, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Wow. Well, let's be clear. Certainly there are wonderful, wealthy people. I mean, Jesus himself had wealthy benefactors that funded his ministry. And, and Crosstalk has benefited from people with resources who have been able to help us carry out the mission that God has given us to equip biblical communicators around the world. And it's wonderful when you see that. That's a, Many wealthy people have a gift of generosity, and, and money has not soured their soul in any way. But when we allow a person's finances to determine their value, when it comes to money, we're to be colorblind. James has spent a lot of verses here talking about this. It must be important. We've said something's not true because it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible because it's true. It's true to life. So why does James put such emphasis? There must be good reason. What will happen if we don't take James' teaching seriously here? What do you guys think? 
Well, ultimately, you're ceding influence and control of the church, not to the lordship of Christ, but to the lordship of whoever is willing to unscrupulously use their money. You're giving the uh, the control of the church to whoever um, is loud with uh, with the financial resources to control the church. Yeah, someone once told me it's the golden rule. Whoever's got the gold rules, <laughs> that's right. true if you let them. Um, right. Well, I I remember uh, a a colleague of mine who had an extraordinarily wealthy uh, woman in his congregation, and uh, she. She ran business kind of morally dubious at best, and yet uh, she had so much money. I think she funded uh, well over 50% of the entire church and uh, let everyone know it. And so the the leadership of the church basically just kind of rolled over and let her do whatever she wanted. And the result was that the church uh, had a, uh, a very negative it, – it had a reputation of being tolerant of sin as long as you had money. Uh, I've seen that. And, uh, and ultimately, uh, when finally the leaderships uh, said, no, no, we have to step in. This is, this is a bridge too far. Uh, they had become dependent on this person's money. And the church had to fold when she walked away angry. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've seen moral compromise happen. I know that at a ministry situation years ago, there was a leading member of the church who gave very heavily and uh, decided that is... Um, son needed to get married. And uh, even though the marriage that he had in common, he had in mind did not follow biblical standards, the pastor felt like they had no choice. What can I do? If I alienate this, we've lost. What do we do? It causes some moral compromise. We started out talking about color, red, yellow, black, and white, all are precious in his sight. And whether wealthy or poor, God has a heart for people. He came and he died for everybody. And we are to look at everybody the way God looks at them. That means we don't over-honor the wealthy, and we are not to under-honor the poor, because all are precious in God's sight. Let's close in prayer. Our Father in heaven, help us to put aside our preconceptions about other people and simply accept that they, like us, are precious in your eyes. We know that we can't always do this in our own power, so we ask that you will do this work in us by the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. No matter who you see at church or at work or in the marketplace, God loves them, and we should too. I trust that today's discussion of God's Word has been helpful and served as an encouragement to not just be hearers of the Word, but doers. Together, let's bring God's Word to life, to our lives this week. The Crosstalk Podcast is a production of Crosstalk Global, equipping biblical communicators so every culture hears God's voice. To find out more, or to support the work of this ministry, please visit www.crosstalkglobal.org. You can also support this show by sharing it on social media and telling your friends. Be sure to listen next Friday as we continue our discussion of the book of James and explore how we can know if our faith is genuine. Be sure to join us. <laughs>